Welcome back to Lorcanacast, your premier Lorcana podcast. My name is Sugi, and we are so happy to have you join us on this week's very special episode. Just a note, we want to let everybody know that myself and Jason are in the middle of moving, so we recorded this quite a while ago, and we also have a very special guest, Artem, or NL in the Discord, from Lorcania.com, came on to join us and talk a little bit about his trip to the Nuremberg Toy Fair, and then our team is going to discuss some of the really cool stuff about Lorcana and all of the regularly scheduled programming. So thank you so much for joining us and let's jump right in. All right, everybody, I am here with a special guest, Artem, a.k.a. NL, on the Lorcan HQ Discord, and we have got some really fun stuff to talk about because you just came back from the Neumannberg Toy Fair. So how are you doing today? Uh, hi there. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, actually, I'm still, you know, very excited about uh, the Nürburgring Toy Fair that uh, I visited a few days uh, back on Saturday. And I'm still, you know, uh, a little bit on the adrenaline because it was a really amazing event. And yeah, I have tons of positive emotion from there and a few tidbits of interesting information for everyone. Yeah, it's really exciting. So due to the power of editing and time lapses and all that stuff, the date we're recording is not going to be the time that this comes out. But from what I understand, you were able to go to the Toy Fair. You were able to interact with Ryan and some of the staff from Lorcana. And now you're going around to different content creators, kind of giving us each a little bit of an insight to what happened. So why don't you tell everyone who's listening just what happened at the Toy Fair? For those who don't know anything about it, who weren't on Twitter, you know, what was your overall experience going to this event? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Toy Fair happens every year in Nuremberg and it occupies all the convention center and it's really huge. It takes literally 20 minutes to go from one end to another, like, I don't know, maybe a kilometer uh, in, in length. And like all this convention is occupied by um, different companies that uh presenting their toys their uh production for kids uh you know everything that you could even possibly imagine and uh Ravensburger announced that hey we will be there with Larkana booth and uh everyone who's interested like from the b2b side because it's not like open convention for the people who just come and see more for the uh, business related topics where you you know find the distributors find the suppliers uh, building the connection network uh, and all other business related cities so they said hey uh, if you be there just come and look and luckily um, i got my entrepreneurship thingy from from the ukraine and i was partially connected to the toys as well so uh, i got the um, the ticket there the invitation and uh, I live in Europe, in Prague. It took me just four and a half hours to get to Nuremberg. And I arrived at noon. And the, the, the first feeling that, hey, it's, it's place is very crowded. There were like uh, hundreds uh, of people just near the entrance. And as I mentioned, like this place is just massive. And luckily for me, the, the booth for Ravensburger was almost near the entrance. So I settled majority of my like business stuff and I headed straight there. And I posted a few photos that the Lorcana space was pretty crowded. There were quite a few people uh, running around, asking questions, making photos, uh, you know, standing in the frame with Mickey, doing selfies, uh, and some other people that probably has, you know, the whole suitcases of cash they were invited for uh, the closed doors uh, to sign uh, the NDA with uh, Ursula Penn and to see a little bit more revelations about Lorcana. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I didn't get the access there. So uh, I was able, you know, to scout a little bit around. And I should say that the booth is just incredible. Uh, it was designed by Sophia S on the Lorcana HQ Discord. So you can say hi and send props. It's super amazing. And the Mickey frame as well, actually. It was like super cool idea and there i've met ryan miller one of the 
designers for Lurkana. And a little bit later, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, Shane Hartley, who is the creative director for Ravensburger, who oversees not only Lurkana, but other uh, products at, uh, at Ravensburger. So you've made it to the Toy Fair. There's tons of people. We're setting the stage. There seems to be a lot of excitement. What were some of the primary focuses of that booth? You know, we've seen the pictures of the products. We've seen the Disney Lorcana Twitter page and social media across the board starting to reveal product lines and information. But you were physically there on site. Were people really excited? Were people interested? Did it feel like there might have been a lot of non-TCG players who are trying to learn more about it? Like give us like bring us into that realm with you with all that you know excitement and all those people there at the Toy Fair. Yeah, sure. Um so as I mentioned it was like a business uh convention. Uh, and uh, I was pretty lucky that I arrived on Saturday and majority of the visitors, uh, the B2B visitors, arrived on Thursday and Friday. So um, it was not that crowded uh, on Saturday. And when I was talking with Ravensburger uh, guys and with uh, Ryan, they mentioned that uh, they didn't have, you know, a minute to, to breathe uh, on those days. And there were a lot of people like outside of uh, TCG space that were super interested and super hyped. And um, a lot of people that been behind the closed doors and seen, um, you know, a, a few more bits of Lorcana, uh, they were pleasantly surprised and again had a very positive uh, overall feeling about like the gameplay, the products, the, the design, the art, and like overall approach and quality and attention to the details that Ravensburger and the team is actually putting in the product. And from what I've uh, heard that they had much even like, you know, warmer and better reception, like uh, reaction to to Lorcan and to what they presented that they even initially expected on such kind of convention. Because again, it was, you know, uh, where you go in because it's part of your work. So you need to present your product to another people in suits uh, that will probably not even touch your product in the end run, but they will sell it to other, uh, you know, to other folks, companies, uh, shops, etc. But even they like had a very good reception. And uh, and yeah, a lot of people were running around. They were looking, making photos because, uh, like outside of the of this closed booth, uh, there were like all of the product that we will receive on August 18th or later if you're going like with the mass release on September 1st. So there were starter boxes, all of them three, unfortunately with empty bags. Uh, we had like the Illuminar trough. Um, it looks super nice, but it's much more smaller than I actually expected. Uh, we, we had like, you know, the display uh, with the booster packs, uh, and looks super colorful, and I could imagine how hard it would be, uh, you know, for a parent who uh, will be passing by with uh, his or her child and basically stopping them from buying a few. And of course, there there was a gift set, and the gift set is like big, super nice, well designed, shiny box that uh, has a few of more, you know, like spoilers on the back that. Well, other content creators will reveal over the time, and I think Disney Lorcan as well. But overall, uh, the like my feeling, the feeling of the people that were around, that this is very nicely designed product that was done by people, not because they were paid a salary, but because they were, you know, passionate about it, and they put every piece of their heart and their soul into making this great. Okay, that's just really great news because every time you see Ryan or someone who's a part of the staff, they seem to be not only really excited, but they seem to have a very intense passion to not only create a game that's fun, but a game that everyone can play, not just a specific type of player. And I'm not trying to single out any game, but like when I think about Flesh and Blood, for example, it's very much focused on a competitive environment. There's no multiplayer that I know of. It's very much a one-on-one, you know, playing in a... uh, standard environment where you know you're trying to see who's the better player and when you think of something like pokemon or magic they have 
a little bit of a range where, you know, Pokemon, you can play casually, you can play competitively. Magic, you can play with groups of people, you can play Commander, you can play Sealed and Draft, and so on and so forth. And Lorcana seems to be taking a page out of that where if you want to play competitively, you can. If you want to play casually, you can. And it looks like there's multiplayer built into the templating where if you and some friends want to play, you can. And can you expand a little bit on that after talking to Ryan and Shane, just that excitement and that passion that they have about the game? Yeah, sure. So uh, first, I would like to say that Ryan is really amazing. He's uh, he's super fun. He's super smart. And he's his passion literally... Uh, you know, almost pushed him to to break the NDA. Uh, he didn't because <laughs> Sh- Shane was uh, overseeing that. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, you know, uh, there was a very interesting phrase that uh, both actually Ryan and Shane said in different form that they cannot wait when they would be able to talk with the fans about the game without like all this like NDA stuff and actually uh, to you know, to present it to the real fans, not only to the audience that they, they, they must present, but to the audience that actually want to, you know, to to have it and to feel it, to touch it, to play it, to collect it. And they cannot wait to do that. And yeah, uh, regarding the, the um, let's say, the target audience, uh, of course, uh, the goal for Lorcana uh, to cater to collectors and to players and when we're talking about the players that might be you know uh, the casual players that uh, playing somewhere in the kitchen there might be more competitive players and we'll talk in a minute about like organized play um, and also they're catering to very specific audience to families into and to the disney fans uh, because, for example, uh, I've been playing a little bit of Flesh and Blood, and a lot of people in the community they play in like Flesh and Blood or maybe Magic the Gathering. But that's probably not the game that you would like to introduce to, uh, you know, your your wife or husband or to your kids, especially small ones. But if we're talking about the Disney, when we, uh, like the game is a little bit easier to take, um, it has like you know like uh, very nice uh, family friendly art. Uh, and it's designed, uh, you know, for this type of uh, of playing audience in mind. It might be an amazing experience for uh, for people uh, who like for parents who would like, you know, to start collecting or playing with their kids, with their second house, and actually introduce it for uh, for a completely different group of people. And as I mentioned, it's also very interesting that Lorcana is not trying to, you know, be a killer of Pokemon or Magic the Gathering. Instead, Lorcana is trying to create their own space, uh, like, you know, like its own blue ocean where they find an opportunity to bring new people to uh, to the TCG, to the collecting and playing card games instead of like competing and, uh, you know, fighting with other well-established brands on the market. And I think that's actually a brilliant approach because games that are already established, such as Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, I think Flesh and Blood is starting to get a foothold into that that space as well. They are trying to carve out their space in the market and trying to fight up that uphill battle has always been really detrimental to most trading card games. They're always trying to be, you know, the, the magic killer. Whereas if Lorcana is trying to just create its own unique space for people, that gives them the opportunity to have unique design, unique gameplay, and they're not trying to be compared to something. They're just trying to make a fully functional game that's enjoyable. And, you know, you talk to Shane and you talk to Ryan. Do you feel like Lorcana is trying to carve a new hole in the space where the big three are located or do you feel like Lorcana is trying to just make a game that's really fun for people to enjoy and participate in uh yeah i would probably uh, think about the second one because as i mentioned you know there is a very nice book blue ocean strategy where instead of like fighting with everyone in one small space you create in your own space where you are the king and that's what Lorcan is trying to do. Instead of like fighting with Magic the Gathering and trying to be another killer for this game, uh, they're just creating uh, like the game that will have a very fun experience, very simple yet deep gameplay loop and cater to different uh, type of the audiences. And of course, if the player will come from different games like Flesh and Blood, Pokemon, they they will find something f- that will 
you know, that will like or will work for themselves and then might stay someone might say okay it's like too simple or too childish and pass it away but again that's not the bad thing that the good thing because they are building uh something that's you know they, they follow in their vision and they are doing it uh like in their own way because they believe that this is like the best way instead of copy someone else they're trying to build something unique uh which will uh, you know, unite the people. And of course, uh, the main goal for Lorcana, I would say, at least for now, is not like the competitive play, uh, but more of the having fun and the casual play, because even now the Magic of the Gathering understands that, hey, uh, we we have like a few percent of competitive player, but majority of the sales and of things happening because, because of the casual players. And here probably is the same, but Lorcana identified it from the very beginning. And that's what they're trying to achieve by providing, again, like the very fun but simple uh, approach to the TCG gaming. I think that's incredibly smart. I think that they're they're very wise for knowing that most trading card games, most games in general, are purchased by the casual player. And the competitive player is a very small percentile inside of that, you know, 100% round pie chart or however you parse the data. But I know you also were able to have a great chat with Ryan Miller and you've got something you want to share with us uh, specifically on Lorconicast with all of our listeners. And I would love to hear what you learned from Ryan because there's just so much he wants to say and he can't. And uh, I'll let you tell everyone who's listening what you were able to find out. Yeah. So uh, this is like super big announcements. Um and uh, I don't know if other know that or not, but basically the gameplay will be revealed in spring. Uh, but beyond that, um, we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about the organized play, right? Because organized play, this is something that is uh, like discussed a lot in the community and a lot of people like trying to speculate how it will look like, uh, how it will shape, would be competitive or not. And tons of other questions basically and uh of course there were like zero spoilers because uh they will review more information in spring and specifically about the organized play as well uh but i have the question hey what would be the focus for um uh, for uh, you know uh, for supporting the local game shops for their organized play will you do something like for example flesh and blood uh does when they provide the the tool in the website where every uh, friendly local game store register uh, like itself and then just run the armories or the tournaments or the competitions internally but they have the software they don't need to think how to organize stuff and it's automatically like promotes players that uh, get some rating and go to the different uh, levels of competition like you know to nationals uh, to uh, to world cups uh, i don't recall how it's called and uh, ryan said that unfortunately they cannot reveal the information about the software part or anything else like that but for them, it's super important, you know, to bring as many people as possible to organize play and basically provide the ecosystem and environment when they will be able, you know, to play and have fun. And as we talked uh, just a minute ago, they will be bringing a lot of new people to the space, you know, like the families uh kids people that never played other uh tcgs before people that are fans of the disney maybe even the collectors and right now for them it's super important to provide uh you know an opportunity to to be part of this organized play and have fun play like you know the friendly competition uh like uh be part of uh, something bigger uh, bigger uh network and basically enjoy lorcana playing with each other so I don't know if uh, parallel with that they will have something like you know like the nationals or the the world cup or uh, having a huge money prices potentially yeah because again they didn't spoil anything but again for them it's very important to 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 cater to this wider audience and to provide them an opportunity to enjoy playing Larkana within the organized play. And that's wonderful news. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. I would love to hear more about your talk with Shane as well, because I'm sure there was some really unique stuff that he had to say that's different from Ryan since they're coming at Larkana from a completely different perspective. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your discussion with Shane? Yeah. So um, Shane, uh, 
he's responsible for the creative part uh, and he's working not only on Lorcana but other project as well uh but basically Shane uh we we've mostly talked about you know like the art the design some other approaches and uh yeah he he said also that he cannot wait when they will be able to you know to to find and to talk to their fans not only like to to the people that they must talk to and uh Shane together with Ryan uh, and actually, the family of Ryan will be on the Gen Con, and that's the, that's the first opportunity when they will uh, present their uh, products for uh, for the people to to grab, to 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 see, to to play, and they will be there. And potentially, you will have an opportunity to not only to talk with them, but to challenge them. And I know there are a lot of players. Uh, that want to play with uh, Steve, uh, another designer of Lorcana, and yeah, that's that's the place where um, I suppose you will have a lot of fun because yeah, Lorcana will start growing uh, from that point in time, you know, for for players and for the people that actually waited for it from the September of 2022. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm really, really happy to hear that the game is in full swing. The team is basically touring on the road. As you know, you could say they're they're showing off the product. They're trying to get businesses interested in picking up the game and selling it and distributing it to their networks. And I just want to hear more about you and your experience with the Toy Fair. You know, if you want to talk a little bit about things that are Lorcana or non-Lorcana related, you know, did you see anything else that was really cool the toy fair any games or toys that you know we might be interested in any other thoughts about Lorcana? i know you took a picture with the you know the mickey mouse selfie that looked super cool you know was there anything else at the Lorcana booth that just caught your eye you thought looked really interesting yeah um so there was a, a like a very interesting experience uh i got a present on christmas from uh martin aka vipet uh he writes uh, articles for lorcania.com uh, and he lives also in Germany, but unfortunately he was not able to visit the convention uh, because of his small daughter. And on the Christmas, he presented me with a Mickey. And that's like super huge, uh, you know, gift. And I decided, hey, I will grab Mickey with, my, uh, with me to the convention. Maybe the guys will sign it. And yeah, of course, Ryan said, for sure, I will sign it. And Shane said, yeah, I will sign it as well. And uh, I unpacked Mickey from um you know from this uh, protective case and before i was able to sell uh, to tell something uh, ryan uh, already signed it and i say hey hey wait i want you to make you know a photo or a video and ryan said okay just uh, make a photo i will uh, you know pose uh, like i'm signing the card and i didn't hear the part about like made a photo so i started filming and Ryan made a very funny face, like he's, you know, trying to sign something. And then he passed it to Shane, and Shane also signed the card. And yeah, that, that was like super funny and amazing experience. And, you know, now this, uh, this gift uh, from Martin is like uh, even worse for me, not in the monetary uh, sense, but like, you know, as a very amazing memory from uh from Lorcana, from ryan and from shane and from toy fair in general so that's super fun and regarding the toy fair again it's huge i didn't have that much time because i spent majority of the time near the ravensburger i did some business stuff and then on my way back because uh, i had a meeting with my very uh, good old friend who lives in newburgh uh, i passed through a few pavilions and I've seen like tons of stuff I even didn't, uh, you know, uh, imagine could exist, uh, like funny costumes, uh, a lot of tabletop games, but there would be a separate convention, uh, I think in October called Essenspiel, uh, and this is like a very small part of that, uh, and a lot of other things on the way back, and in the last pavilion it was dedicated to a miniature trains and trams and that was like super amazing i make a few videos but i was running 
and it looks like incredible, super, super cool. I wish next time I would be able to bring my my kids with me because they they love trains. Are you a big trade fan? I do miniatures as well as trading card games. So are you interested in trains and minis like that? Well, I'm not that huge of a fan, but my son, uh, he is, and he's completely obsessed with it. He's five. And basically, oh. the last time when we were um, to, to the zoo, he was... Uh, watching, you know, on the uh, all the like uh, excavators and other stuff, that doing some stuff. And uh, recently, there was a sale on Steam, and I purchased uh, the the game where you build the the zoo, uh, something like the, the world or something like that. Like zoo tycoon, and, yeah, kind of zoo tycoon because okay. my wife loved that. And I purchased the game, and we started to play with my son. Uh, you know, we put like some lines there, some other things, and then he noticed that there is uh, like a small train that uh, going around our zoo. And for the next one hour, he was just sitting in the train and going around the zoo in this train. So yeah, he does. <laughs> he doesn't care about animals, but the trains that's his love that is so cool oh <laughs> well i think that this is a great time to kind of wrap up the interview you know we had an opportunity to hear all about the toy fair hear about your experience with shane and with ryan is there anything else you would like to talk about and please make sure to tell everyone where they can find you all about your website and yeah go ahead and plug anything you'd like to uh yeah sure uh so uh i would like to say thank you to uh, every Ravensbrück employee who was on the convention and who wasn't there, especially marketing, I know that they're planning a lot because every time when I was, uh, oh yeah, I, I had more than 35 questions uh, collected from the community to ask uh, to uh, Ryan and Shane and they picked in total roughly four of them to answer. Um, and majority of the things they were saying, unfortunately, we can talk. Uh, the spring or the marketing and like sales team uh, does not allow to tell it yet. Uh, and I know they have like a lot of things planned. So let's wait for it. Uh, I think we will have a very amazing spring coming. And yeah, uh, if you would like to have more information, see the card or uh, more Lorcana stuff, uh, please come and visit lorcania.com. Uh, that's uh, the place where uh, you can see everything that uh, other content creators uh, put in the wild on the front page. But beyond there, there uh, you can also check all the cards, see the Oracle text, uh, keep your track your collection. And when we have the rules review, uh, you would be able to build and share decks. And a lot of other cool things coming to the website. And you can find me at Twitter. Uh, my handle is LNLL. A pretty fun one or in uh, discord for Lacan HQ I'm going under handle and L well, thank you so much for your time I greatly appreciate it I hope you have a wonderful day and we will uh, hopefully see you soon at one of these Lorcana events coming up um, over the course of the next year or two great thank you for having me it was a pleasure and a blast see you soon All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Lorcanacast, the happiest podcast on earth. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here to talk all about Lorcana, and we've got a lot of really fun stuff that we are going to be recording on this week's episode. So we've got Chris and we've got Jason. How's everybody doing tonight? Awesome. Doing good, buddy. All right. Well, we're just going to jump right on in, and we've got some information coming from multiple toy fairs and events, and the big reveal was Aurora dreaming guardian so we've got her entire card revealed between youtube and twitter and comicbook.com having an article so aurora dreaming guardian is a five cost character it's three attack five defense keywords are floodborne hero princess she has shift three which allows you to pay three mana to play this on top of one of your characters named aurora there's a special ability called protective embrace that states your other characters gain ward, and the ward keyword is opponents cannot choose them except challenge. 
and then she has two pips. So ward is a brand new keyword we've never seen before. And essentially the way it works is similar to hexproof from Magic the Gathering. So opponents cannot choose characters with ward except to challenge them, which means you've got cards that say choose a character and exert them with Elsa's ability. You've got Dragonfire that says choose choose start character, banish them. So basically if anything has ward, which Aurora gives to everyone but herself, they can't be targeted by spells, effects, card abilities, whatever. So what do you think about this card coming out of the, um, you know, Numenor Toy Fair and, you know, all these other things going on surrounding Lorcana? There's two things that stuck out to me. First of all, that obviously the protective embrace um, and there being a ward or, or if you compare it to Hexproof and Magic or, or some other, you know, type of protection. Um, and the game is very cool. So I was very excited to see that. And the second being the shift is outside of yellow. So um, Aurora is actually is obviously blue. And then the other time we've seen shift um, currently is is on Stitch, which was a yellow card. So it's cool to see that that mechanic isn't going to be color locked. Um, I can't remember what color in the pre-made decks blue was paired with. I'm not sure if that's maybe at this steel. point. Steel. Was it yep. steel? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so Simba. Yep. So it's not necessarily a pairing either. Um, at least not that they made up themselves, the company made up themselves. But yes, those those two are the, are the things are the main things that stuck out to me. Yeah. So um, I mean, you guys kind of pretty much covered it. Um, again, in Dragon and Dragon Ball, you know, we call it barrier. Um, I remember how many episodes ago this was, but I did, you know, ask the panel if we thought we were going to get some kind of protective uh, keyword, and obviously we did. So now the question is, do you think we're going to get something that says, um, you know, remove? target glimmer ignoring ward would be my my question i'm i'm gonna assume that we are but what do you guys think with this being the the first chapter i, I think we'll definitely get the ability to, to remove keywords whether that be through you know obviously in this case yeah you know, uh you could target her with with some type of direct uh removal key of a keyword um or or even even an ability you know tap to remove keywords tap to blank I'm not, I don't know, you know, I guess the, the your second part of your question, whether it comes to the first set or not. Um, we know there's 204 cards. That's another thing we learned um, recently. So there's a lot of cards. I imagine there's a lot of keywords. So I, 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 think, I think it's pretty reasonable that there will be at least a few, if not a, the, if not a direct card, maybe another ability that um, blanks other characters. I think that seems pretty reasonable. It's an interesting question because... In the future of Lorcana, I do believe we will see something to that effect where you'll have an ability that says, you know, remove ward from target creature, whatever, you can blank out keywords. But for the sake of the first set, I don't know if it would be fun to have cards that introduce a new keyword that you want to play with. And then your opponent just plays a card that counters it and says, oh, hey, that new keyword ward, that's super cool. You can't use it. I think that the challenge for players is figuring out how to play around Ward, especially since Aurora does not give herself that ability. So if you remove Aurora by whatever capacity, Mm. then all of the other characters are not protected by her ability. So she's she's kind of like a shield. I think it's a great way to think about her card. So if you're able to remove the shield, then everything else is much more vulnerable. It's very possible, again, since there's so many cards in the set, that we do see cards that remove keywords. But I don't... So in, in Magic the Gathering, those are called hate cards, where it's just specifically like, you know, a super efficient, under-costed card that targets a specific thing. So there was a, a counter spell called Flash Freeze in Magic the Gathering that just said counter target green spell. So if your pl- opponent's playing a green deck and you put that card in your deck, you're countering their abilities at a drastically discounted rate because Flash Freeze just hates green players. It just straight up is an answer to any green deck. So the reason I say everything is kind of culminating to I, I cannot foresee the first set giving us hate cards right out of the gate saying, hey, if you play a war deck, play this card to stop them, and they're just going to have a terrible time. But in the future, I could see some answers to that that style of play. I, I feel like we might see one or two cards that remove war, so like war doesn't become this unstoppable, incredibly powerful, overpowered ability. So it, de- it depends on a couple of things. Really, it depends on how many things have ward, how many things give ward. So we know Aurora gives other people ward, and that's it. So if it's just Aurora and that's it, 
probably don't need ways to remove the keyword quite yet because it's just not prominent in decks. But if there's multiple cards that give ward, give protection, give something like that, okay, we might need answers. So I'm curious to see what comes out in future card reveals before making any kind of guesstimation because like just based on this i don't think they're going to do anything if we see more probably they will but well, here's another tough. question do you think that in the first set there will be a board clear or something that something that removes a character absolutely. without targeting them absolutely yes mm-hmm. i do there yeah. has to be a wrath of god so yes. then what so then so then let's break that down but why do you think i just i just think that your your point that blanking a character's box or, or, or getting rid of a, a ability specific ability you know to me that's not the same thing as is doing a board clear or doing something that doesn't, doesn't target the character, right? In this situation. So they're saying they're just, they're both removals, right? Of one's removing the ability, one's actually removing a character that by not targeting them. So I, I think I can see them going either way with them, maybe a mixture of both, right? I don't know. That, I think they're just different ways to, to get the same thing where like I have an answer for a problem. Right, do, I yeah. get my, do I get my answer, you know, to force you to respond? You know, or, or or do you get your answer first? Right. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah. And in, in my humble opinion, every good game needs board wipes because you, you have to have a way to get around your opponent snowballing. You have to have an answer to uh, white weenies and aggro. So in, in Magic the Gathering, there's a deck called white weenies where you had a bunch of one one or one twos or two two creatures that cost one mana. And all you did on your turn was spam as many of them as you could onto the field. And then you'd have these enchantments that said all of your cards that ha- cost one mana get plus one plus one all of your characters that cost one mana get flying all of your characters that cost three or less mana get plus two plus two so you'd have all of these little weenie cards that you buffed up to become these massively overpowered creatures and if one of them died cool you would just draw one or two more with different abilities and then you just keep repopulating your field so your opponent is just kind of sitting there going what what is happening my opponent is playing these low to the ground super low cost mana resource cards that give them three threes, four fours, five fives, and I'm paying five, six mana for the exact same ability. I'm losing the resource game. I'm losing the efficiency game. They've got more bodies than I do. They deal more damage than I do. Ugh. So the biggest answer to white weenies and little small aggro like decks that have just a ton of, they basically have more creatures than you do. So when they attack, you can't stop all. So a board wipe helps you answer that threat without having to automatically lose the game to a bad matchup. So good games need ways to just reset the board state otherwise if someone snowballs and gets out of control both players will know the game's over and there's really no incentive to keep playing the game and i don't think a good game wants to have that kind of mechanic where oh cool i've got you know four more creatures than you do i guess i win yep i guess you do that was fun right no no now let me ask you this from a let me ask you a hypothetical question because obviously we don't know how gameplay works and you know, we just got the IGN article about the starters and, you know, number cards and all that stuff. So going off the number, you would presumably speculatively think that the your playset number is probably ranging from three to four, right? So it stands to reason until we hear otherwise that you could have two Auroras on your field at the same time, which means that their effects would protect each other essentially right so you don't you see that as a potential problem then or because then you're going to have to basically spend a turn like trying to remove both those auroras to then be able to use your your board wipe to clear the rest of the board well so the a board wipe a well-designed board wipe doesn't target. So if you look at something mm-hmm. like Wrath of God from Magic the Gathering, it just says destroy all creatures. Protective Embrace gives key- characters the ward keyword. It says opponents can't choose them mm-hmm. except to challenge. So if you have a card that just says destroy all creatures, it's not choosing or targeting or doing anything. It just board wipes small. Same thing works for Yu-Gi-Oh. There's tons of cards that say you can't target. Yeah, there's plenty of cards like Torrential Tribute that say just destroy all creatures. Destroy all right, monsters. Yeah, They're all gone. Right, yeah. Well, my, my card says I can't be targeted. That's you're correct. It is does get protected from targeting, but this doesn't target. This just wipes them all out. So if you have multiple Auroras giving each other ward, I agree. It would be problematic because now you have to kill them in combat. I'm sorry. You have to unalive them in combat, Chris. Yes, erase them. Erase them. Yeah, you have to you have to wipe them off the face of the earth, wipe their ink scum off the face of the planet. And then once the ward has been removed, you can use your cards and spells and abilities to target down threats. So that's 
double Aurora is a big reason why I'm a big proponent of board wipe should exist because if your opponent happens to get two Auroras on the field, giving everything, including each other ward, you need something to deal with that. And a board wipe, aka Wrath of God, Torrential Tribute, something that just destroys everything is perfectly fine, especially if they have two Auroras and a bunch of other creatures on the field and you have nothing. And this is not a loss for you to play a board wipe, clear the board, reset the game state. And now instead of being behind in the game, you're net neutral. In fact, you might even come ahead because you might have some resources or ink to play a glimmer or a creature and start putting some pressure on the opponent. So I would be remiss. I'd be really upset if there is no board wipe removal, something that helps kind of reset game states in case someone snowballs out really, really well, or you get like a dead draw really bad, or you just brick. Like there's so many reasons why board wipes are really, really good for trading card games just two comments and it, it may be you know again i think sugi comments are really targeted at magic experience right because it may be in this game um i don't think it's likely but it could be that the board right we're talking about says you know uh opponent you choose all characters you want to be removed that could be what, what a board wipe looks like in that, that case the ward would protect it which would make ward very strong which i don't think is very likely because she's only five costs right so um she's she's fairly cheap um if, if we think that we what's the entire previous episode about what we think the amount of resource or the resources seems like she could be out by turn three two or turn three right or yeah. turn two yeah. if you're going second right right no. yeah or mm. turn two if you're going first so it you, depends because you could shift her for three right that's true that's true so we're, you could yeah. we're speculating that you potentially got two resources per turn so mm. if you go second you, you get can, two resources on turn one, then you get two more resources on turn two. So you could get her out theoretically by turn three if you're doing two resources a turn. Even if you're playing a here. single mana per turn, turn five, a three five for five with ward is really good. And right. shift three, I mean, if there's like a one or two drop Aurora, okay, cool. I play the two drop Aurora turn two and then I shift three her on turn three. So, you know, we could see this card on turn three pretty easily. I mean, I don't know. If there's a lower cost Aurora, I'm assuming there I would, is. I would, I, 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 I would pretty much just assume there is, just like with Stitch. If, if they have Shift, you would think, if, if, if they don't have it, you would think it'd be coming, right? That it would, it's future-proofing it. But so shift, shift is interesting, because I, I actually think Shift might mean you shift between colors, not necessarily between sure. mana values. So it's possible that all Auroras are five. Five costs. But you have an Aurora okay. in blue and green and steel, and you just shift between, okay, my blue Aurora gives everything ward. Okay, now I shift to steel. Oh, hey, all of my characters that aren't Aurora have that challenger ability that when they challenge, they get plus one, plus oh. Ooh! Or, you know, maybe if I have a red Aurora, everything gets evasive. Ooh! Like, you know, who knows? So, right, yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually think shift might be sideways, not upwards, downwards, but I mean... I don't I don't yeah. know because the thing is Hades also has shift so it's like H- Hades makes me think shift is upwards and downwards but Aurora makes me think shift is sideways so I'm like it could be both could yeah. be both. it could be it could be, be, it could be yeah. both even Ryan Steve what have you done <laughs> my other comment and this may just become come from like my background TCGs thematically if, if they're going to allow you to have multiple of the same exact name character so what's her subtitle is it aurora dreaming guardian so if they're going to have let you have two aurora dreaming guardians on the board at the same time i want personally a good reason for that and that might and again this i I, I will acknowledge that this may just be you know a a me thing but that kind of breaks you know the the theme for me a little bit because like you know as a as a inker or whatever i'm a, a lumineer why am i having two of the same characters you know, exact same character, same abilities on the board at the same time, right? Um, and th- again, I've never that's I never really was into Pokemon. I'm, I've got, I'm assuming I think I'm assuming you have two of the same characters in Pokemon all because like, they oh yeah they, up to four they shift right they, they do they, or they they transform and all you, kinds you, of you, things. They evolve is the thing I think you yeah say. yeah okay. Yeah. So um, they're yeah, not, they're ne- not I'm, Transformers robots in disguise. <laughs> sure, that was another Pikachu roll out Pikachu evolve. There we go. So yes, I mean, I, I guess it, it's still, it still is the same thing. Where to me, that kind of breaks theme a little bit, just because like, why am I, you know, explain to me at least why that's possible. Okay, as a game mechanic. Yeah, so I mean, like I, 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 I see, I see what you're saying. So like, I'm on the complete opposite though. I come from a TCG background where you can have like you know, as um, unless they're like on like a ban list or like limited, semi limited, something like that. You can run and have like 
two or three, four copies of like the same card, like on, on the board, like you can do it in Yu-Gi-Oh, you can do it in Dragon Ball, you can do it in, in like any game I've ever, I've ever played. So it's interesting. We have a, like, to me, that's just like, I'm, I'm just like accustomed to like having that. So like, I, 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 I get you, I, I guess you're like looking for like a lore reason or like just trying to like restrict like the gameplay so we don't get like double protective of like ward and like i i i get that but like i i come from a tcg background where i'm i'm allowed to like if i have like the resources to play it or a way for like Yu-Gi-Oh terms to like cheat it out and to play feel free go ahead so they were talking about the illuminary they've been posting these videos from the uh the toy fair um over the weekend and they were saying that you know, this, this spot that they were showcasing is called the Great Illuminary, where these characters are turned into glimmers from ink pages and stories. So it, it seems that these are not like the original characters from the movies, but these are alternate variations of themselves, which we can see with, you know, different characters that have Aladdin especially around, yeah around colors yeah so if you're looking for lore i think that even though the card is called aurora dreaming guardian essentially if you think about it, it's kind of like a rick and morty clone it's just another version of aurora and you can have one i can have one jason can have one skeff can have two you know you can have as many as the game allows you to have because it's not the original copy it's this inkling that's taking on the form of in this example, Aurora or Stitch or whatever. So that's why you can't really kill them because they're not alive. It's kind of like what was that um, Epic Mickey where you had all those inks kind of coming mm-hmm. around. Right. So I know it's not like the perfect answer, but that's the best answer I have is uh, it seems that we might be actually playing. It's kind of meta, but uh, Lorcana seems like we might be these, you know, Illumineers playing a trading card game inside of playing a trading card game, if that makes sense. And obviously, you know, obviously, if they allow that, then they've tested for that. And that's the, the rules, you know, the power level of cards, the power level abilities, you know, are, are meant to. Uh, scale with having four of the same character on the board. That's what they allow your deck, right? You know, some other games I've played, the, the way they've dealt with it, and again, it's just, it's just a personal thing. I think that's more here, here you guys think, which is fine. You know, in Game of Thrones, living card game at least, I don't know if it was the same for the collectible version of Game of Thrones, but when you had a, they call it a you know, duplicate dupe, right? When you got yeah. the same character in your hand, yeah. you would put it under the character, and that would be based like another life, right? It would, so if they were removed for whatever reason, you still have a copy of the character. So, um, again, you know, I, I guess it, it, it reflecting on it's probably just more my own TCG experience. Um, and I guess if you look at Magic, Magic, you have cop- multiple copies of the same character. It just, I guess, I guess for me, thematically for this game, it just feels like I, I, so you you helped a little bit there. I, I, got, I want a little bit more from the, from actual uh, Robinsberger about why that, why that's allowed. But I mean, I guess that you know if that is the the theory that you know these aren't this is Aurora. This is just you know one copy of her that you drew, right? Um, that she's you know that this is that, that there is there's not one character that represents Aurora, but multiple at various times at various stages. You could summon you know multiple the same one from the same stage to fight for you to battle for you to, to, to win the game. I guess that, I guess thematically I could get there behind that thought process. Um, just initially when I first saw the game and saw the Disney characters, you know, in my mind is like, well, this is, you know, I'm going to battle with Mickey. Right. And that's my Mickey. And obviously I might be against another Mickey. That's the same, but like, at least, you know, I'm not going to have all five, 15 versions of Mickey on the board at the same time. That just seems a little strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The, the more they reveal about the game, the more it seems like Illumineers playing Lorcana is going to be more in the like casual, fun, hang out with your friends play space as opposed to a competitive game. So if you look at Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon Magic, it's kind of this head-to-head game where you're trying to, you know, find out who's the better player of the two. You have a life total. You have resources, you fight, you deal damage to each other, and then whoever goes to zero, congratulations, you know, unfortunately you've lost, I've won, let's play again, have some more fun. Lorcana seems to be more along the lines of, you know, two friends who like meet up at a gaming club, and we're going to play with our favorite characters, and we're going to go on this adventure, and we're going to see who's got, you know, more wit and will and use of magic and abilities and stuff like that, so... It might be kind of like I was saying that these glimmers aren't actually characters. They're just, 
you know, variations of the characters that you can play in this trading card game that you're playing with your friends inside this Lorcana themed game state or whatever. So I I'm really interested to see if that's relative to the storyline, if they're going to do. I would love to see Lorcana do something like Legend of the Five Rings, where depending on who wins certain events, maybe certain colors or keywords get something special, you know, like you have Floodborne and Dreamborn and stuff like that. Um it would be really unique to see future sets influenced by, oh, hey, you know, at the Gen Con 2024 World Championship, there was a blue red deck that won. So they're going to get this special treatment and special abilities. And now all the other colors are going to try and see if they can, you know, defeat blue and red because now they've got this little minor power boost or like special card or ability. So who knows? I think it's interesting. I mean, more TCGs should do what they were doing with L5R. If L5R had a lot of issues, but the one thing they did well was that the, the story-based part of the game and the organized p- play part of the game where like actually, you know, playing, sticking with your clan, sticking with the, your, your, your deck of cards, your, your color, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, even if you were, if you were the, the one that brought it there, you, you did the best out of your whole, your whole, house clan um you got a prize right so they're really they really encourage people to play all the various clans and houses and, and deck types um I, I i say that all the time for fat for flesh and blood i feel like they should you know some of the less played heroes should get rewarded if you go to a big tournament you bring this less played hero you should get acknowledgement that you brought a hero that at least the community isn't bringing for one reason or another right if it's not fun to play if it's not you know good if whatever whatever the case may be so um, they, your comment just made me think of that that like there are a lot of things to take from the way they ran or as play for that game even though you know, they had a lot, they had some other issues too. So the, the big reason, I think you have a really good point, Chris. I mean, I also know that your history in trading card games is much more focused on games that have very specific and pungent characters. So like the Game of Thrones uh, LCG, I remember playing that as well. And when you had a duplicate of, you know, a main name character, whoever you want to think about, you would put that duplicate underneath. And like you said, they get an extra health. But that whole game was predicated on having single copies of a named character that you loved from the show or the books. And right. uh, Flesh and Blood, I, I don't know how to play it. I would love to learn at Gen Con. You should bring <laughs> I'll, I'll, some decks. To yeah, me. for sure. But correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you play as a singular character and you yes. give them like gear and equipment and then you're kind of like dueling essentially like 1v1 and you yes. just okay so again we're playing another game that's focused on a singular entity yeah. doing something massive and then you know for me and jason you know if you're playing dragon ball z you can have 14 different gokus does it make <laughs> sense no but is right. it allowed yes um pokemon you can have you know four different pikachus and if you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh, you can have three different uh you know bl- blue eyes white dragon or yeah. dark magician mm-hmm. so depending on the card or magic the gathering you can have four copies of whatever right. you want minus planeswalkers you can have one type of planeswalker um because those are essentially unique because each player is considered to be a planeswalker so i think depending on which history of card game you come from it is unique to see disney in a Lorcana game state of i want to see one aurora because this should be the only aurora versus oh, we can have as many auroras as we want because that's mm-hmm. just how trading card games are yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what the ruling is for Lorcana because I could see it going either way. The one thing I believe for this discussion is they call them glimmers. They don't call them characters or heroes right. or villains. They have these these like you know princess keyword hero monikers that define them, but they're glimmers. And if you think about a glimmer, it's something that kind of it's like a flash in the pan. It, it shows up, it glistens, it glimmers, and then it goes away. And I think that that terminology matches the characters inside of the lore, which would be, I have this Aurora, this card is a glimmer. She's going to eventually die in some capacity, either by removal, board wipe, challenging combat whatever and then she's gone but i could summon another another glimmer of aurora that's totally fine because there's multiple versions of aurora in my deck there's probably multiple copies of the same type of aurora in my deck so from from that standpoint with the whole glimmer keywords and technology i think you can probably have multiple copies of the same card on your table yeah definition of glimmer is a faint or wavering light so, I mean, that's, again, if we think about they're just different light, you know, different projections of light, right? Yeah. Well, cool. You guys convinced me, semi. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's a really valid point because Disney characters inherently are valuable to each person in different ways. Yeah. We have our favorite character. 
we have our favorite movie, we have our favorite moment. And so like as a trading card game player, I absolutely have no problem with four or five, 16 different auroras on the battlefield. As a Disney fan, as a collector, as someone who's a movie buff, I, I can see that having you know two mickeys of the two two brave little tailors two aurora dreaming guardians feels kind of weird because you know there's no duplicate in the movies you don't see aurora meeting aurora fighting aurora while trying to save aurora <laughs> it's like oh now we're watching doctor who disney edition right. and, and just to clarify a little bit like i, I think it, to me it makes sense if there was you know another aurora or with a different different subtype or uh, different name you know different uh whatever you call it want to call it secondary name um that would seem more likely to me from my own experience is being allowed on the board at the same time it's just to me like having two of the same exact name is strange to me um again for the various reasons but again i think you've you explained pretty well like why that may be for a game perspective um why they may allow it why they may, why they may not allow it so i mean i'm really that's that's one of the things i'm and again this comes back to just because of that ability that ward ability and then what that would mean in game terms, unless, you know, unless uh, you guys already talked about it, that they would be protecting each other if there's two of the same one out. But, you know, they could also rule it that that they're still considered to be the same character. Right. I'm not I don't think that's likely, but they could be that, you know, that maybe they maybe they, they, will, they both are still considered to be the same character. Right. So doctor, then doctor, doctor, doctor. Right. Doctor. So then, so then you could target either one of them. Um, maybe, maybe neither one of them gets ward itself. That could be another r- ruling based on however they write the rules. So it's just, it's just too early to tell about all that. But it's, I think it's fun that we're getting these cards in this way. I should also say that you know none of us expected to get you know her reveal at a random toy German. German it was a German. I think it was German a German toy fair. Um, so it's kind of cool that they're you know they're putting out the cards in that way, giving us a little glimpses of of, of card text and you know, gameplay keywords. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And it's going to be interesting to see what more information comes out from uh, Robinsberger as we get closer to spring and they start to reveal a little bit more about how to play this game that we know nothing about. <laughs> I thought about one more thing too. If, if there is persistent damage, which I think, I don't know if we've talked about that on, on any podcast yet, but that, you know, it could be a, a situation where damage carries around over and over. Right. Um, you know, you could, if you get four damage on you, it stays on the, on you until you heal it or some of those happens, or it could be a situation where if you get damaged, it clears at the end of your turn. You know, those are typically the, the two ways they do that. Um, shift, assumably you, there would be a reason to shift the same character, right? To, to heal if you if you shift and place another copy of the character top you would assume that that would heal them back to full health so that that may be another nothing else we have to explore where we get more cards that, that talk about damage and, and how damage is going to be tracked you got to bring up all these mechanics so if you shift <laughs> i think you keep the damage that's interesting okay i mean that would be yeah it's one of two ways either you keep it or you don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, are, yeah. Those, are the two, those are two options <laughs> well it's, it's tricky because um on Twitter as of today, what is the fourth of February? Somebody took a picture of the back of the gift right. set, and they're saying that on the back it says you get thirty-two damage counters, which is a lot. So people are speculating that there is persistent damage. Again, yeah. we have no idea. We couldn't tell you if it's true or not, but based on the verbiage on the back of that box, I would assume that with thirty-two damage counters, damage sticks on characters until it's healed or they die. So or they shift, perhaps. I don't know. I would. I would think if we're gonna gonna go down this this rabbit hole that the 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 damage like would stay kind of like with like because like in Pokemon Sugi doesn't the damage stay on when you evolve your 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 Pokemon yes it does so I mean to me if like if you're getting that many because again we're going back into like tokens and crap again like if you're getting like that many it would make like I'm I'm more along the lines with Siggy it makes sense that it would it would stay on. I need Skiff here. Skiff will have my back. I think. I think Skiff will have my back on this. You one. need to call him and tell him to show for recordings. Man. Yeah, I mean, I think. Oh. I think. I think. I need, I need somebody else to get my back on this. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I've never played a game really that um, that that. Ha- well, I guess I play games that have persistent damage. Um, I guess I've, I've never played a game that had persistent damage, and 
you could overwrite the characters. That that would be a new thing for me. Mm. So yeah, if you guys have a, a history of that with Pokemon, that seems that's interesting to me. I always I would my my thought of Pokemon would have been that if you evolve a character, they come in as a new character. Oh my god, that would be so broken if you if I I wish you could do that. Hmm. So I mean, like if you evolve a Pokemon, you always get more health abilities right yeah. oh you yeah. also get okay you yeah. more health too yeah it, so gets, it, gets, you, it gets more hp yeah if you have a oh. basic pokemon you have like a pikachu sure. it's like you know 60 hp you evolve to a raichu you could shoot up to like you know 120 150 so you're you're not dead you still retain the damage but you have a much higher threshold to death whereas if you have a pikachu with 50 damage and 60 health you have 10 more damage and you're dead right now you have a pikachu evolved into a raichu where you've got a much wider range you generally get more abilities more attacks that deal more damage all kinds of cool stuff but you still have the damage that was dealt to you in your prior state so if you could just evolve and remove the damage you'd be like oh that'd be insane you'd yeah. never kill anything because by the time your no. pokemon's about to die be like okay i evolve it and then it's like well i guess we'll just reset the damage again and then there's a bunch of cards in pokemon that allow you to return pokemon to the hand which removes all the damage again and so now you can reset and go back to pikachu like, and then raichu mm. and we just keep resetting over and over and over again and in my own defense i will say again not in pokemon is the, the evolvement the evolving mechanic is a key part of that game right yes. everybody can evolve yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, most I assume most characters most, most can, yeah, sure. So, whereas in Lurkana, as far as you know, we've seen shift on two cards, two of two hundred and four so far, right? So it, it won't be not every card can, can can evolve, not every card can shift. So it, it, again, I'm just tossing out there. We don't know anything, so it's we don't more. It, it's it's a possibility that you know shifting could be very pretty powerful. It lets you heal the person. Well, I get in trouble for alternate arts if I draw little Pikachu ears on my Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor <laughs> card. I think that's an IP infringement. I choose you, Mickey Mouse. Use a thunderbolt. At least yeah, you could have said, said Dragon's Fire. At least, uh, where's the Dragon's Fire coming out of? Okay, family show. <laughs> the scissors. <laughs> the scissors. Okay, family, family show. There's only a couple of places that could come from. Too much garlic, Mickey. Oh, okay. Moving oh, on. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. That's a, what a great way to segue into our next topic of discussion. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. We want to give a huge shout out once again to Artem, a.k.a. NL on the discords, for joining us to talk about his experience at the Nuremberg Toy Fair. Thank you so much for participating in this amazing community and just providing so much content. Go visit his website, lorcania.com. You can find all the new cards and all kinds of really cool information. And if you want to find more Lorcanacast, you can find us at Twitter and Facebook using the tag Lorcanacast. We have a brand new episode next week, so definitely make sure to subscribe and like all of our content, and we will see everyone next time. Remember, Ohana means family, which means nobody gets left behind, nobody gets forgotten. Just like you wheels always getting the I'm so 